the prophesied destruction of Damascus, a win for school choice, wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, famines, the United Nations anti-Israel ideology, Israel's fifth election in three and one half years, and the call for a world government. We'll analyze these events from a prophetic perspective on today's edition of End of the Age. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. And wow, are we in the end times, folks. So many prophecies converging at the same time. I uh, was just listening to an old recording of Irvin Baxter from years and years ago when he did a radio program with a, I think it was Thomas Ice who was right down here in South Dallas, Fort Worth. And on they, it was kind of a, it wasn't really a, an, like a, a, a planned debate, but the radio host, I, I can't remember where she was from, but they did it over on the air of Irvin Baxter and Thomas Ice. Irvin Baxter was proving a post-tribulation rapture. Thomas Ice was doing his best to prove a pre-tribulation rapture. Of course, he worked with Tim LaHaye and some uh, different people who wrote the Left Behind series. But I was sitting there listening to that, and, and you know, they're talking about the imminent return of the Lord and different things. And having gone through my program today and writing different articles and different things, man, I mean, we are off into the end time. And the, the calls for world government, world religion, precursors to the mark of the beast, talking about peace agreements between Israelis and the Palestinians and how they're wanting the, the Abraham Accords maybe to help aid in that and a regional uh, situation over there to help with the Arabs and the Palestinians and the Israelis and uh, everything that's coming down to wars and rumors of wars. And I thought that, you know, I, I, Monday I did a program where I, I, there was no way I could have just spent Monday on one uh, topic because there's so much going on. And I'm going to kind of do like a part two today. But I just want you to know, wow, we are in the end time. There's no, unless you just got your head buried in the sand, there's no denying that. Unless you just don't, unless you're just not paying attention to the prophecies, then you would, if you're not paying attention, then you would think, well, hey, I'm just, you know, uh, the Lord could come hundreds of years from now. Or some people even believe that He came, that uh, the, all of the events of Revelation occurred back 70 A.D., it's called preterism. I mean, there's all kinds of belief systems going on in the world today. But here at the end of the age, I just want to make sure that you understand the truth of what's going on in the Bible. The Bible says you can know the truth, and the truth will what? It's going to set you free. And so I want to know the truth on all of these topics. And so it's, it's very important to us to help you 
just, just know where we're at on this timeline that God gave us, these, all of these different events. Everything is, that is supposed to be happening just prior to, and when I say just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, I mean a few years out now. But in the grand scheme of things, that's, the final seven years is just going gonna, gonna to fly by. And I believe that we're just prior to that. The war and the peace agreement that starts the final seven years, they're just ahead of us now. They're the next two things on God's prophetic timeline. Things are happening so fast. And so, with that said, let me get through as many of these articles today. I just pulled, I just skimmed off the top. I could have, we, we could spend the rest of the evening talking about them. And tomorrow and the rest of the week. But... I just skimmed off the top some of the main ones that I wanted to cover today. So let's see how many we can get done on this uh, program. So the Jerusalem Post, many of you read this and heard about it from many news sources, that the alleged Israel strike uh, that disabled the Damascus International Airport that hit, hit in near Damascus there. And a lot of people started questioning this. Hey, is this the destruction of Damascus? When's that going to happen? Could this be Armageddon? And stuff just started flying everywhere. And I thought, man, I'm a, I need to probably try to clear some of this up. But the article stated that Syrian reports stated that the Israeli bombing had damaged the runway after targeting warehouses of Iranian militias near the airport. I, Israel or Iran has their proxies in Iran, Lebanon, Yemen, Iraq. And they also have Iranian militias in Syria and different places. So Israel, when they start bringing weapons and things like that in, Israel's been bombing them. That's what's happening. Two satellite firms published images showing significant damage to runways at the Damascus International Airport after Israel. And they say, allegedly, but you and I really know what's going on. They targeted the site last week. It was the third strike against targets in Syria blamed on Israel in less than a week. Israel has warned repeatedly about Iran's nuclear ambitions as well as aspirations of regional hegemony and has admitted to hundreds of airstrikes as part of its War Between Wars campaign to prevent the transfer of advanced weapons to Hezbollah in Lebanon, the entrenchment of, its, of Iranian forces in Syria, where they could easily act against the Jewish state. Well, I asked our guide in Israel one time, I said, how do you guys know beyond a shadow of a doubt before you go in and Israel is going to bomb one of these uh, military uh, warehouses and things like that? How do you know that there are, in fact, bombs there? Well, they've got satellite images. They have a lot of different things. But he said... I, uh, he said something about, he was telling me about they have boots on the ground everywhere. And I said, oh, so you guys have operatives in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Israel. Well, he's an ex-Navy SEAL for the IDF. And he told me, he said, Dave, in essence, don't make me make you an accomplice after the fact. I'm just telling you, we have boots all over the place. We know exactly because Israel will pick a building in the middle of a, several buildings and hit that building with just great precision. How do they know that it's that specific building when it might look like a, a just a regular old beaten down warehouse? Because Israel's intelligence is absolutely top notch, folks. 
They know what's going on. So the prophesy, when, when people saw this about Israel bombing the, the international airport and different things, people started questioning, well, hey, is this the prophesied destruction of Damascus? Well, a lot of people that follow us on social networking and different things and, and different um, inquiries, people's eyes kind of glazed over. The, the destruction of Damascus, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible prophesies there will come a time when destruction are, will come to Damascus and Damascus will be no more. When does that plague t- take place? Who will do that? Well, we'll get off into the and answer that question and much, much more on the other side of the break. Don't want to miss it. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 in time. That's 800-363-8463. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Isaiah chapter 17, verse 1 says, The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. So Isaiah 17 clearly prophesies the destruction of Damascus, Syria. And with this recent turmoil in Syria and Many different things that have been happening, this bombing, uh, it appears that, you know, people have been asking, really, what's going on? And, you know, people that have been killed over the last several months, uh, moving on, that uh, people have been questioning, are we on the brink of the prophecy's fulfillment right now? Well, since Syria considers Israel her enemy, it's very likely that Israel 
could be in the future the one that destroy, is the destroying power whenever the destruction does take place. It's a possibility. And some people question, well, could Israel do that? Listen, everybody. Israel has the ability to destroy Damascus tomorrow morning. They're, they have nuclear capability. And so the question is, hey, does Israel have the ability to destroy Damascus? Absolutely. Another question, when will it happen? Now, I'm not saying, again, I don't know for 100% sure that Israel will be the one that destroys it. However, it is, I would say it's highly likely in the future. There are two major wars prophesied for the area of Syria in the not-too-distant future. One's the Six Trumpet War prophesied Revelation 9, 13 through 21. That's the war that will result in the killing of one-third of mankind, well over two billion people at this point. We're almost to eight billion population right now. And it's going to take place before the, the Great Tribulation period. Since verse 14 specifically states that this unprecedented war will emanate from the Euphrates River region, and since the Euphrates River uh, only passes through Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran, it's almost certain that Syria will be involved somehow, some way, in the Sixth Trumpet War in, in one way or another. However, we have no biblical proof that the prophesied destruction of Damascus will happen at or during World War III. The other major war that will involve Syria is prophesied in the Battle of Armageddon. This war will take place at the end of the Great Tribulation. So, Six Trumpet War, Battle of Armageddon, two separate wars. The scriptures actually teach that the world government armies, which will invade uh, northern Israel at the beginning of Armageddon, will invade by the way of Damascus. And so the the I've actually been we were in I went the first time I ever went to overseas. My it was in 1999. We flew into Syria. Okay? Now I wouldn't do that today. But we flew into Syria because we wanted to go to Damascus. We were going to the, the Valley of the Kings. We went uh, Palmyra, which was destroyed by ISIS. We went to all those different sites. And it was my first experience being overseas. And talk about being in a state of oppression. There was Assad's picture on many two-story buildings. The entire side of the building was pictures of Assad. Those people knew. They wanted everybody to know exactly who they served who they worked for, and many people, the majority of people in Syria worked for the government. Well, when we went, when we, we were driving up uh, the road to one of the sites, my father-in-law asked the guide, he said, how long, how far is it to the Euphrates? Because if it was just in 45 minutes or so, we were going to take the group up there. He said, oh no, it's six hours up this road. My father-in-law said, well, how many, is, there, is this the main road? We were, it was kind of a highway situation. Are we on the main road to, from Damascus to the Euphrates? And the guy said, yeah, this is pretty much the only main road. 
And so my father-in-law told the group, he said, you re- do you understand what road we're on here? The Bible says that the great river Euphrates will be dried up to make way for the kings of the east to come down to the battle of Armageddon and they will engage Israel in the plain of Megiddo. That road is pretty much a straight shot through Damascus right up to the Euphrates River right down into the northern part of Israel there. So my father-in-law said, you understand this is the road that will be used for the invading uh, world-governing armies to come down and invade Israel. So that being true, now, at, at the Battle of Armageddon, well, that being true, it becomes very likely that this war will see the fulfillment of the destruction of Damascus. And then, again, the invasion of the, uh, by way of Damascus, the prophecy foretelling the Battle of Armageddon, found in Revelation 16, 12 through 16. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and it was dried up to make way for the kings of the east. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, the mouth of the false prophet, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle to the great day of God Almighty. This is the battle of Armageddon. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. So the prophecy the, states the Euphrates River is going to be dried up to facilitate this invasion by the kings of the east as they make their way down towards Jerusalem for the battle of Armageddon. We also know that Ezekiel 38 states that Russia will be the leading force in the world governing army that launches the world's final battle. Russia is going to come down against Israel between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, cross the Euphrates, proceed through Syria toward Israel. And there is, there's one, again, there's one and only one highway that leads from the Euphrates River to the plain of Megiddo where the battle will begin. Passes right through Damascus. So it seems obvious that Syria will be cooperating with the international forces as they make their way toward Israel. Other scriptures imply the destruction of Damascus during Armageddon. The, the, the place where Damascus sits is within the borders of the promised land. It's described throughout the Bible. The, the, the borders extend all the way to the Euphrates River. And Israel only occupies a very small portion of the promised land. It goes clear down into Egypt all the way up into Syria to the Euphrates. So the only time Israel has possessed the entire promised land during, was during the time of King David and King Solomon. So the area of Damascus was part of the nation of Israel during that time. We know that the present location of Damascus will be part of Israel during the 1,000 year reign of Jesus on the earth because God will restore all of the promised land to Israel at that time. So the prophet Zechariah spoke about the battle of Armageddon as much as really any other biblical writer. He recorded God's words in Zechariah 14, 2, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Isaiah 17, 13 appears to speak of the same invasion of Israel. It says, The nations shall rush like the rushing of many waters, but God shall rebuke them. 
similar to the, the invasion of the Battle of Armageddon. Ezekiel also recorded the, re, the rebuking of the nations by God at Armageddon. He said, so, so will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. And I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Uh, is, that's Ezekiel 39.7. So the prophecy said that Damascus would, be no lo- would no longer be a city. It would become a ruinous heap. Could Israel become so desperate that she would use nuclear weapons against Damascus? Well... Look at Zechariah 14, 12. It tells us that nuclear weapons will be used against the enemies of Israel at Armageddon. It says, And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue consume away in their mouth. This passage is an incredibly accurate description of the effects of nuclear radiation upon a human being. Now, it's painful to think, but, but the, you know, the possibility is very real that Damascus could be destroyed by a nuclear attack during the Battle of Armageddon. And look at the prophecy one more time. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city and it shall be a ruinous heap. That's Isaiah 17, verse 1. And from this 2,500-year-old prophecy, we know the destruction of Damascus is coming. And since we now understand it will happen, um, in in our opinion, at the time of the Battle of Armageddon, and that Armageddon is drawing near, will, you know, is it... From everything that Israel's doing, bombing, and, and it just happened to get near Damascus here recently, is anyone going to you know, make a final desperate effort to reach the people of Damascus? That's the thing on our mind. And we do have missionaries there that are trying to, to reach them, but we, we want to make sure they know Jesus and to receive the gift of eternal life. We know it's not God's will that anyone should perish. And I know we talk, we, at end time, we talk about wars and rumors of wars and the different things going on around the world. And we work with missionaries to help reach people in just about every nation on the planet right now. And so is God calling anyone to carry the gospel to Damascus? Is anyone listening? Are we praying for these people? Because there will come a time. We talk about the Sixth Trumpet War. And because it's one of the prophecies of the Bible, but it's not something that we take lightly, we're praying that we can reach these people with the gospel of Jesus Christ before all this is over with. It's very, very critical. It's a critical need. And I know missionaries that are working in some of these areas. There are missionaries working in areas right now that I'm not allowed to say their name on the radio because they're afraid that they will be outed as a missionary in some of these countries where it is totally, there would be prison time for them if they were to be, uh, if I was to expose them. And so, but I know them personally. And so we want to make sure that we're praying for our missionaries, people that are in here trying to reach people in these countries uh, where Christianity is just totally suppressed and they don't want that there.
So there, in our opinion, in conclusion, in our opinion, Damascus uh, probably will be destroyed at the Battle of Armageddon. Um, and, you know, hopefully that clears everything up because I had people saying, hey, they just hit it. They just hit the, you know, they uh, tore up some airport uh, landing strips at the, you know, in Damascus. Could this be the destruction of Revelation or of, Dan, or of Isaiah 17.1? At this point, don't think so. Looks like it'll be at the Battle of Armageddon. Next article that I want to bring up is the Daily Wire. Many, many of them. There, there's tons of articles on this right now. The Supreme Court rules in Maine that they cannot ban taxpayer-funded tuition assistance from being used towards religious private education. This is a huge win, folks. Yesterday, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that the government cannot ban taxpayer-funded tuition assistance for private education from being used by citizens for private religious education. Two families wanted to send their children to Christian schools in, the, in Maine, and they asked for help from Maine's tuition assistance program. The families, because what's happening is, is people are having, if they want to send their kids to a Christian school, I sent both of my kids to a Christian school. We just sacrificed and done it. But I pay, also paid taxes to the public school system. And then I had to pay for my kids. So rather than pay twice, why not use the money that's used for the public school system that I'm paying taxes for and allow me to use that money for a Christian school? Well, the families argued that the state's exclusion of schools that provided religious instruction from the program violates um, the Constitution. Maine argued that allowing tax dollars to go towards private schools such as certain Christian schools, could trample on the idea that a public education is both defined by inclusion and tolerance and reflective of the diversity of our students and our community. They don't want a parallel society. They want all of our kids being indoctrinated in public schools. Supreme Court of the United States noted that one of the schools in question hired only born-again Christians and had an anti-LGBTQ educational agenda. And as a result, the state was not required to fund their educational program as the substantive equivalent of a public education. The Supreme Court disagreed with those arguments, and now supporters of parents and their rights, religious freedom, and school choice see the victory as a monumental in its potential ramifications across the country. It is a, it's a huge win. It can set a precedent. And hopefully it will spread to all the other states that would allow us to use taxes to send kids. Give them a choice at least. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. As you can tell, Irvin Baxter, myself, Doug, Vince, all of us here at End Time, I'm 110% pro school choice because really we need to turn this nation back towards God and school is one of the big ways to do that. When you've got the indoctrination of kids and they're trying to get them to uh, a child, K through 12, and to get their minds so mixed up about, hey, I might be a boy, I might be a girl, let the boys go into the girls' restrooms and all this other stuff. Man, imagine putting them in a Christian school, allowing the parents at least to be able to decide whether they want their kid indoctrinated or if they want to be able to choose a Christian education for them. I'll get to that in a moment. One more thing I wanted to share with you, you may not know about this, the Washington Examiner. Uh, they published an article that GOP lawmakers have introduced a $10 billion school choice bill ahead of midterm elections. Republican lawmakers introduced twin bills in Congress that would establish a federal school choice program by enacting a $10 billion tax credit program to fund education scholarships. The Educational Choice for Children Act would create a $10 billion federal tax program to incentivize donations to scholarships granting organizations that would then be used to cover expenses related to public and private K-12, K-12 schools. And Cassidy said that giving parents the ability to make decisions over their child's education puts that child's needs first. Our bill provides yet another opportunity to empower parents and allow millions of children to thrive in a school that's best for them. Educate, that's why during the pandemic and everything, a lot of people went on to uh, homeschooling, and they've continued on. Now that the pandemic's gone, they've continued on with that, and I think the numbers are still rising. Educational choice is a critical way to provide the best opportunities for our students. And this bill would allow families to determine the highest quality and most suitable education for their children. A lot of school uh, um, private schools, they're expensive. Let's just face it. 
And it's a huge expenditure, especially with prices rising. Everything's rising. But if we could use these tax dollars and allow people to have the choice, it would be awesome. School choice initiatives at both the state and federal levels have consistently drawn strong opposition from the teachers' unions who say such initiatives are schemes to defund public school programs. The proposed legislation would, however, ensure that the scholarships are available to students even if they attend public schools presently. The legislation isn't expected to pass in the Democratic-controlled Congress, which is not a good thing, but the plan should serve as the blueprint for the GOP school choice initiatives should Republicans retake Congress in uh, next year. So, the question is here, school choice. That is one way to turn America around. You say, how could that happen? Well, think about this. We want to educate our children, right? Sending them to public school. Little Johnny, little Sally, send them off. But then don't tell them where they came from in life. Don't tell them why they're here. And don't tell them where they're going. Now I'm talking spiritually. Don't tell them where they came from. Don't get into the Word of God. Teach them evolution. Hey, you came from an amoeba that flipped out on the these little bunch of cells that flipped out on of the ocean one day up onto land and somehow another, you know, a male and a female did and, you know, we got to the point we're at now. That That's, come on, you guys. Most people are smarter than that. It takes a lot more faith to believe that than it does to believe in the Bible and creation. But to send my child off to school and not to be able to tell them... now. Your child may get this from Sunday school. They may get it from a lot of places. But when they're being taught evolution, I want my my child to go to a Christian school where they're going to be able to be taught everything that's correct. And this is the dilemma that public educators find themselves facing today. They're not allowed to talk about this kind of stuff. The results? Well, you got student attacks are attacking teachers in the hallway. you got armed guards patrolling hallways. You got drugs rampant in schools, free condom distri- uh, um, distribution to kids sixth grade and above. Test scores have declined steadily since 1963. Say, well, what that? What's that got to do with the Bible, folks? You know, and America's lagging behind economically. It goes on and on. But you say, well, what does this have to do with the Bible? Well, everyone knows there is something very wrong with America's public schools. The question is, what's gone wrong? And how can we correct it? I mean, imagine back in the 40s and 50s, teachers and principals handing out condoms at school. I mean, this is the, we're in 2022. This is a reality. It would have never happened back then. Well, if you remember when President Trump proposed choice. During his campaign, President Trump envisioned a plan called choice, and it it called for every student to be given an educational voucher, which could be used at a public, private, parochial school of their choice. And since the amount of of the voucher would have equaled 
what was already being spent on, by the government per child, that program would have not required additional funding, but what was then be, beyond uh, what was then being spent. Proponents of school choice believe it's time parents were free to choose the school that their children attend. A school choice approach would create the, the competition climate that stimulates excellence in our private and parochial schools. You say, well, what about the one big argument is what about the, the um, separation of church and state? The Constitution does not instruct government to be against religion. It provides for freedom of religion. And shouldn't this include freedom to choose a religious education? The plan that President Trump proposed would not cost the taxpayers additional funds at all. It would not, it would not have imposed religious instruction on those who didn't want it. It did, however provide freedom of choice to those who believe that education without instruction of spiritual values is no education at all. So folks, the choice in school is really vital to America's future. There are kids coming out nowadays that believing socialism is a good thing and that we need to implement socialism here and that capitalism is a bad thing because they realize, I'm 53 years old, they realize I'm too far gone. They'll never get to my generation. But if they can indoctrinate our kids coming out of high school and college, and that's the next generation coming, if they can get them to believe that socialism's a good thing, all it would take is one generation to turn our country around. Think about it. Many Americans have regarded the course of our nation with great concern. Homes are degenerating. The drug problem seems really insurmountable almost, unless you realize there's a God. There's, there have been all of these different AIDS and different uh, you know, problems like that, alcoholism, suicide. Crime seems to be unsolvable. They're, they're blaming a shooter that would go into a school or into a theater, they're blaming that on the instrument that he used to kill the people rather than the individual who was out of their mind crazy and would be able to do something like that. I mean, I have friends everywhere that have guns, lots of guns. I live in Texas. I know people who have arsenals but would never dream of walking into a school or something like that and killing somebody. It's not the gun. But yet, all of the kids coming up nowadays and different people, they're living in all these horrible situations. They are um, not taught godly things at school. They're living in bad family situations. They're on drugs. They're deranged. And they, they can get a gun if they want one. If, if we took all the guns from everybody and... Just all the, the only people that would have them would be police and criminals. Think about that. The criminals will always find a way to get a gun. If they got to go to Mexico, Canada, wherever, they'll always find a way to get one. It's not the guns. It's society. It, with all of these uh, horror films and murder films and 
all of these different things. It's, it, the people are feeding on that and feeding on that. And when you feed on it long enough, some people, if you have a deranged mind, you'll act on that kind of stuff. And you say, well, Dave, and let me cover this real quick before we move on. I've had people say, well, you know, a movie, that doesn't really affect you. Don't think so. Hollywood doesn't really affect. My mom took me and my brother to see Rocky. When it first came out in the movie theater back in the 70s, you know what me and my brother did all the way home? We wanted to beat each other up. We were fighting each other all the way home. That's all we wanted to do was fight. And my mom took me to see Jaws when I was a kid back in the 70s. And that affected me. I used to water ski a lot. And the thought of my feet hanging straight down in the water, didn't know what was under me. I used to keep my feet up while I was water skiing before we would take off. Crazy. That those stupid movies my mom took me to as a kid affected me most of my life. So don't think Hollywood doesn't affect your children. You need to, you need to monitor what they watch. You, you need to make sure you know what your kids are being taught because they're being affected by stuff. Wow, how do we go there? So, question is, does an answer to these perplexing problems exist? Yes. The Bible states, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That's Proverbs 14, 34. Our founding fathers felt compelled to place in God we trust on our money. Why'd they do that? The U.S. Congress, at, at President Eisenhower's urging added under God to our Pledge of Allegiance. Were these men just babbling religious idiots? Or did they understand that our system of government would not work without God? Our form of government is government of the people, by the people, for the people. In other words, it is basically self-government. When the character of a people becomes eroded by immorality and addictions, um, self-control is destroyed. And when people are ruled by only their passions, just what I want goes. You can't live like that. Government will be forced to restrain them by law. And as more and more laws are passed, more and more freedoms are eroded. And we here in America are experiencing this exact scenario right now. Some of this responsibility must be placed at the feet of education. And it's no coincidence that the moral decline in America parallels exactly the banishment of prayer in God from our schools by the Supreme Court. So, got to get back to the Bible, folks. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, everyone, since it has been mandated that religious teachings that be banned from public schools, the character necessary to preserve our nation cannot possibly be provided by them. And again, this is just the school angle I'm talking about right now. It doesn't have, this is, it can go way beyond that. But the schools are used in many ways to indoctrinate children today. Public indoctrination systems. And so if we could get them back to a biblical foundation, you could see the dramatic turn our country could take. If choice were enacted, if these vouchers and school choice, these would enable religious schools to offer the quality of education they have demonstrated that they can provide. And at the same time, the values that have made America great and are so vital to our future would be reinforced. The, uh, the, the passage of, of some of these school choice bills, this concept is certainly one thing that could reverse the downward trend of America. Now, that doesn't take the responsibility off of a parent to train up, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that it should go and it will not depart from it. You can't lay all that on the schools, obviously, because there are parents that simply are not spending time with their kids. They're not knowing what their kids are being taught in school. It's just a rat race out there and I'm going to let Tommy and Susie do their own thing. Okay, that's a problem too. So we need to work on every aspect, the school aspect. We need to work on going back to churches. We need to make sure we're, we have God in our home. You say, well, I want a godly country, but I'm doing what I want. That's a problem right there. We've got to have God in our homes. I told my Bible study the other night, I said, I said most, most families have a family Bible, but it's got six inches of dust on it because they never crack it open. And so, you know, I'm just really into this school choice thing. If this thing could work and we could get people to where if they had a choice to send their kid to a parochial or a Christian school, man, it would be awesome. I think it would be great. And I think that uh, it would aid in, along with the family and fathers taking their role in sticking with and teaching the family, you know, leading your family to prayer. When's the last time you've done that? Let me ask you that. When's the last time you prayed with your family? When's the last time you had a Bible study with your family? Fathers, dads, husbands. When's the last time that happened? I'm just asking you. We say we live in a Christian nation, but the amount of people that go to churches is declining. And so I believe we live in a Christian nation. But I want to see us get back to where we were. We need a spiritual revival in this country. And I think that's what God's looking for too. So our choice is clear. Either secular humanism or Judeo-Christian values will capture the minds of our nation. 
It doesn't come from Hollywood. Hollywood is an indoctrination system, but it's not a good one. And, you know, one leads to ever-increasing government and the resulting loss of freedom, while the other leads to spiritual and moral renewal and the preserving of America. So, we really need to save our schools in order to save our country. It's one of the main things, um, and that's why we are so pro-school choice, pro-voucher. If we can get that going, that would be awesome. Okay, let me shift gears here right at the end. The Jewish Journal posted an article, Danny Danan, on his new book about his UN tenure. So you guys know Danny Danan. He was the former Israeli ambassador to the United Nations. And he discussed his new book. It's called In the Lion's Den, Israel and the World. In the Lion's Den, which was published, what, May 13th, mid-May, largely focused on, it focuses on, Danny Danan's tenure at the United Nations and is, he was, now he's Israel's ambassador to the United Nations, so he's constantly fighting against those who hate Israel in the halls of the United Nations. Well, the United Nations, number one, the reason I want to bring up this article, several points, but it, the United Nations, it is driven. You understand, the Bible says in Revelation 13, 1 through 2, the world governing body is driven by, it gets its seat, power, and great authority by Satan himself. Satan hates Israel. So, do you think that the United Nations, who is the seat of world government in the earth today, is not going to be anti-Israel? They are constantly passing resolution after resolution against Israel. Danny Denon was fighting against that. And the United States had for, we've done it for years, decades now. And so, but Danny Denon felt this. He wrote a book. It, it would be, I'm, I'm going to get it and read it. I think it'd be a great book because he's going to expose a lot of things. Another thing, reason I wanted to bring this article up, Mr. Denon showed no fear in standing up for his country at the United Nations, even when he found himself pitted against the United States. That should never happen. In the waning days of the Obama administration, Danny Denon learned, now he, get this, he's the, he's the ambassador from Israel to the United Nations. While he's there, he learns from a representative of a Muslim country. And this did in fact happen. I know I, we've reported on this, wrote articles on it. That the administration, the United States administration, was working to pass a UN resolution, 2334, which declared the West Bank, uh, Judea, and Samaria, including the holy sites, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, to be occupied Palestinian territory, and, in, in, and that it was in violation of international law. In other words, Israel's presence there in East Jerusalem and the West Bank is in violation of international law. Neither then-President Barack Obama or the UN Ambassador uh, the United States UN amb- to the uh, ambassador to the UN, Samantha Power, responded to the phone calls from Israeli Prime Minister um, Benjamin Netanyahu at that time or Danny Danan, and the U.S. ultimately abstained from that resolution 
and they gave it clearance to pass. We all Samantha Powers would have had to do is raise her hand and the UN would have been vetoed or the this resolution would have been vetoed. She didn't do that. She was told by President Obama abstain. And Joe Biden was in on that and we've talked about that many times. Well, Danny Denon wrote in his book that he attempted to get other countries to vote against it, but to no avail. And the representative from the Ukraine told Danan that they supported the resolution due to pressure from the Obama administration. Now, I know that I, I read an article, and I've reported on this. I think I wrote an article about it that Joe Biden called, and this was from the Tablet magazine. If you want to look it up, Joe Biden called the Ukrainian individual and pressured them on this resolution because the United States knew exactly what they were going to do before the resolution was ever brought up. But in Danny DeNine's book, Resolution 2334 was not the only anti-Israel resolution put forth by the Obama administration. The Obama administration also introduced a resolution titled Parameters for Peace that outlined a potential peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians on issues such as borders, refugees, and the status of Jerusalem that went very far against Israel. Danan wrote this in his book. And so the Obama administration was anti-Israel, and it showed. Danny Danan said that the resolution never went public this peace agreement because Russia, he said, would have ve- was going to veto it and it was a move that would have been quite embarrassing for the United States had it, been, had it come to the floor, but it was, never, it was never brought up. And Danny Danan actually said, and I'm quoting, I think President Obama wanted to draft his narrative about the peace process and he added that he also thought that Obama had a personal vendetta against Netanyahu after the Prime Minister rallied against the 2015 Iran nuclear deal in front of Congress. And he said, Danny Denon said, I think it was payback coming from Obama a week before he left office. Now, we call the Resolution 2334 the Armageddon Resolution because this is one of the types of resolutions that will be involved, that will be used against Israel to get the world governing armies to come down against Israel, to enforce that resolution because they're not going to give it Jerusalem in the peace agreement that marks the, final se- the beginning of the final seven years. That's going to be put off until the end because Israel will retain control of Jerusalem all the way throughout. And so Resolution 2334 will be one of the resolutions used by the world governing armies to come down across the Euphrates River and engage Israel because they're coming down to enforce that, probably other ones. But also I wanted to bring up, when we talk about the peace agreement in the near future, Daniel 9, 27, that will mark the beginning of the final seven years, and we say it's between the Israelis, Palestinians. The Obama administration tried and tried and tried to get Israelis and Palestinians to do something. And also with the Jerusalem, uh, the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal and things like that. Netanyahu and Obama butted heads. 
So they couldn't really get anything done. But with this parameters for peace, how do you think? And I've not read the parameters for peace. I'm not sure that you could. I, I tried to look it up and it showed the Obama parameters. Perhaps that's the same thing. I don't know for sure. I just read this article before I came on the air. But the imagine what that parameters for peace, do you think it was right there before he left office, with him being influential in getting resolution 2334 passed, do you think this parameters for peace was pro-Israel or pro-Palestinian? Danny Danan said it was anti-Israel. So imagine a president of the United States trying to get Israel to sign a pro-Palestinian peace agreement. It appears that that's what's going to happen in the near future. They're going to get them, or not necessarily the United States, but somebody will get Israel to sign a, to, to do a two-state solution. That's what's going to be created. And, of course, you, we've talked about it many times when that has the characteristics of the final peace agreement between the Israelis and Palestinians. That marks the final seven years. So we know that in the eyes of the international community that the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement is the thing. And President Obama, that's what he was trying to do, is of all the things, right before he left office, he focused on Israel, right there, with the resolution 2334 and a final peace agreement that was never even brought up because they said that um, Russia was going to veto it. A lot of people didn't know about this, but it's in this book that was written by Danny Danan. And again, the title... In the Lion's Den, Israel and the World. I'm going to read the book because I think it would be very interesting. I want to know what's going on at the United Nations with Israel and what really happened under a, um, the Obama administration. A lot of different things. You never know really what's going on until you get into some of these books. So, wow. Man, I, had, I, I, I may have to finish this maybe in my dialogue on Friday or something. I don't know. But, folks, listen to me. There's so much going on in prophecy today. We're just prior to the second coming and want to make sure we're ready for the second coming. It puts a sense of urgency in me, urgency in me going through all of these articles. God bless. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.